Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Diversity in Practice podcast. Today, we're kicking off a special sub-series of podcasts that will be hosted by my friend and my teammate, Ayana Ryans Holder. Ayana is MoFo's attorney, diversity and inclusion specialist, and partners closely with me on all things related to inclusive recruiting. Ayana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Natalie. I wanted to have you on to help briefly frame the subseries you've been working on with our Wetmore Fellows before launching into it. So could you take a minute to tell us a little bit about what we're about to hear? So each year, MoFo welcomes a select group of new 1L students and returning 2L fellows into our summer associate program as part of the Keith Wetmore 1L Fellowship for Excellence, Diversity, and Inclusion. Now in its eighth year, the fellowship supports the career advancement of highly motivated first-year law students who are members of historically underrepresented groups. Each year, we have over 700 applicants vying for 10 to 15 slots across five of our domestic offices. So it's a very competitive program. And so the fellows that join us are really quite impressive across the board. So tell us a little bit more about the project you had the fellows work on this summer. This year, our fellows joined us during one of the most chaotic times we've experienced in recent history. The pandemic and the social justice movements proved challenging for all of us in a variety of ways. So we decided What better way to connect our fellows and expose them to the MoFo culture than to have them create their own podcast series around how the firm went about navigating these uncertain times? What we ended up with was a series of five episodes that we call Navigating Pandemic and Protest, each hosted by either a current or former fellow. And I have to say, over the course of the summer, I think MoFo really showed how much it cares for its people whether it was through supporting working parents, bringing attention to mental health issues, or standing in opposition to racial injustice. They got an unfiltered look at what makes MoFo, MoFo. So let's set up the first episode. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Absolutely. In this first episode, 2L fellow Adam Smith from Stanford Law School joined 1L fellows Kaysen Fuji and Erica Pena from Michigan and Berkeley Law Schools, and SEO Law Fellow Oliver Green, who is now 1L at NYU Law School, to discuss how last spring, the firm went about quickly adapting the summer program to ensure summers were provided a meaningful summer experience, while also adjusting to the new and emerging client needs that grew and continue to grow out of the pandemic. When taken together, we hope these five episodes will not only serve to highlight best practices, but also how the crises have impacted our people and practices and the obstacles and challenges we encountered while trying not only to support our clients, colleagues, and communities, but also while trying to maintain and communicate our culture virtually. Thanks, Ayana. I'm really looking forward to this series. So without further ado, episode one of Navigating Pandemic and Protest. I'm pleased today to be speaking with two distinguished guests, David Newman and Nicole Wanzer. 
David is a partner in our DC and New York offices and is the co-chair of the Global Risk and Crisis Management Practice Group. He also chairs MoFo's Coronavirus Task Force, which he will be speaking about today. And Nicole is MoFo's firm-wide director of attorney recruiting and plays a crucial role in the summer associate program every year. So David and Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Our first question is for David and specifically about the Coronavirus Task Force. So David, how was this task force formed? Why do you think you in particular were chosen to lead it? And how do you see that the task force helps both clients and Morrison and Forster internally? Thank you for the question. Thank you for having me. MOFO was among the first large U.S. law firms to form a COVID task force. And there were several reasons that led us to stand it up. To begin with, MOFO has a large uh, presence and a large client base in Asia. So COVID-19 was already very much on our radar and affecting us and on our clients' radars in January 2020. In addition, in those early days, I find found myself hearing a lot about the potential risks of COVID from some of my former government colleagues. One of my previous positions in government during my time on the National Security Council staff was to help coordinate the U.S. response to the Ebola outbreak in West Africa in 2014-2015. I served as chief of staff to the Ebola Response Office, and I kept in touch with a lot of colleagues from that time period and was hearing from many of them increasing messages of concern and warning about the potential reach and implications of COVID-19 as it was spreading. And MOFO started doing client alerts and other outreach in late January and began thinking through as a firm how the spread of COVID-19 was going to raise new and challenging issues uh, ranging from labor employment to privacy to disruptions in supply chain and other operational challenges. And it just seemed to us increasingly likely that the companies who are our clients were going to have to start making risk-based choices and to navigate a lot of uncertainty. So with the support of firm leadership, I started forming the task force in January with the goal of putting together an interdisciplinary team that could advise on all of these issues in a way that was responsive to the time pressure and that ensured that as much as possible, we were giving clients consistent advice around the world on these subjects that brought together the best thinking that the firm had from a broad array of perspectives. And we also wanted to be sure that the client alerts and other guidance notes that we were writing reflected a consistent and interdisciplinary firm approach. In terms of why I was chosen, I am the co-chair of the firm's Global Risk and Crisis Management Group. And in addition to my experience with Ebola, I've tried to draw upon some of my other experiences, both in the public sector and in private practice, in responding to fast-moving crises. And I tried to translate some of what I had seen, for example, in cyber incidents and in other fast-moving events to this new and, and very much unprecedented issue. This included making sure clients had an understanding in the early days of who was responsible, accountable, and needed to be consulted in respect of the key decisions they were making and were very thoughtful about their communications and risk management. So we did a series of presentations in the first few weeks to different audiences in Europe, in Asia, and the US, including what I understand to be the first 
ABA webinar on a range of COVID-related issues. And we did our best to try to anticipate and help our clients anticipate what new risks they faced. In the end, you know, we started with a handful of lawyers and grew to a team of over 50 lawyers, not just labor employment, FDA regulatory and privacy, things you might expect, but also contract law, government contracting, finance and restructuring, government oversight, and all, all manner of things that our clients were raising. And of course, all of this was being done at a time when all of our professional and personal lives were in a state of disruption. MOFO began closing U.S. offices in March. And while some of our non-U.S. offices have now reopened, for the most part, uh, the task force has been operating with a team of lawyers around the world who were all working remotely. Thank you. And Nicole, specifically, I wanted to ask about your role in planning the summer associate program. So when did you learn that this summer was going to be a remote program? And how hectic was it getting this whole thing together? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Adam. You know, at the outset, it was a little hectic and nerve wracking trying to figure out how we were going to respond to having a virtual program. Friday, March 13th, that's the first day that MOFO went all remote. My team, of course, faced with personally and professionally sort of moving a recruiting team to a remote environment and making sure everyone had the support they needed. But then the second question is, of course, well, what are we going to do with our summer program? And those first few weeks were a little bit of wait and see. Are we going to be virtual? Would there still be an opportunity to have people come into the office? And if so, we'd likely need to you know, push the start date back to ensure safety for everyone and traveling, which is that many of our summer associates, we had uh, 126 summers across the firm. Many of them are summering in an office location or region that is you know, well outside of where they are at law school or where their families are. But the majority of them would have had to travel. So that was our first concern. And then as the, the days and weeks passed, it became pretty clear that we were likely going to be moving to a remote environment for the program. So Friday, May 8th, that we made that announcement to the summer associates. And there was a lot of work internally to get to that point. We worked with firm management. We were watching the market very closely to see what many of our competitors were doing in the face of COVID and how they were reacting with respect to their programs. And it ultimately came to the point where we knew we would have to be virtual. We knew we would likely need to push the start date back to accommodate more time in planning. And we knew we would want to make it as important and robust a program as possible. So once we had the date in place, that's when we really sort of hit the ground running. There was certainly preliminary planning in advance of that. But once May 8th hit, we knew for certain that this was going to be the direction we're moving in. So there are several, several things we had to take into consideration, many of which I hadn't even considered. One, of course, being payroll tax implications. We have summer associates scattered all over the country and in some cases all over the world. We really had to collaborate very closely with many of the administrative departments here at the firm to figure out how we could pay each of the summers. We have a fantastic team who's sort of keeping an eye on all of the new tax regulations that have come up because of COVID. I just bring that up because it's something I had never considered and certainly something I 
I got pretty involved with very quickly. But turning more to the actual program itself and, and the content, once we did start putting our eyes towards the program, it was very important for us that we created a very robust training program. We wanted to make sure that we could translate the MOFO culture or what we call our MOFO mojo over a virtual program. And we knew that we didn't want to just try to reproduce our standard summer program, albeit those are generally really fun and engaging programs, but we knew we needed to sort of break the mold and rethink what it could look like and how we could translate our culture across a virtual environment, namely Zoom meetings for 120 plus summers over the course of six weeks. And that sort of became our touchstone at every point when we considered uh, or what content we would introduce or what outside trainers we would use. We always sort of thought, how is this furthering our culture? How is this going to translate remotely or virtually rather? And there are a few things we did to help support that. And funnily enough, you know, we're all the, the hiring partners, all of the attorney recruiters, you know, everyone's working in this remote environment. We're all sort of pulling on things. Many of us are parents. And so we're sort of pulling on things that are happening in our personal life and, and sometimes applying those to our professional life. And one example of that is we applied a, a weekly theme to each of our six weeks for the summer program. And that was an idea born from someone on my team who had their child going to summer camp. And unfortunately, their summer camp was ultimately canceled, but they were going through the brochure of their child's summer camp and noticed that each week had a distinct theme. And we thought about that and how would that work, you know, with our summer program and how could we apply that and use that to help build a framework for the training and content. And so that's what we did. Over the course of each of the six weeks, we had a theme and that theme was really our center point when we thought about what type of training or events or content or speakers we would have. So we started off with what matters at MoFo, being that we wanted to make sure our summers knew what was important to us as a firm. Then we quickly went into written communication, followed by oral communication, then legal skills more broadly, thinking about creativity and problem solving, and then teamwork and client service, and then closing off the program with the theme of committed professional, sort of centered around the history of the firm and how to be sort of a good firm citizen. So it started off a little frantic and, and fractured, but I think once we sort of put together some of these frameworks and touchstones, it really helped to guide us. And then sort of one last piece as we think about ways that we wanted to pull together a program, like I said, that really broke the mold and things we hadn't done in the past that could translate well virtually. We adopted a new program this year called MoFo Stories. And we had six stories over the course of the program. And we really wanted to use this series as an opportunity for MoFo attorneys to highlight the firm's culture through storytelling. We all know what a strong medium storytelling is. And so we wanted to sort of give that platform an opportunity to MoFo attorneys. We featured a variety of ripped from the headlines cases or deals. We showcased daily cross-practice and cross-office collaborations. We talked about things that helped to shape the MoFo history. And really just with each story, tried to underscore MoFo's cornerstone tenets of collaboration, teamwork, client service, and innovation, knowing that 
the summers wouldn't be able to observe those while walking down the hall or going to lunch or froyo with their colleagues this summer. We wanted to make sure we could sort of infuse that with the MoFo Stories program. So next, I wanted to talk about how the pandemic will change the nature of work at MoFo going forward. So specifically for David, we've seen tech companies in the Bay Area like Facebook and Twitter, for example, tell their employees in official statements that there is no longer going to be any sort of FaceTime requirement in person in the office and that they can work remotely for the rest of their careers. Do you think that MoFo may move to decrease its real estate footprint as remote work becomes more and more the norm? It's a great question. I think companies everywhere are looking at their current remote operations and using it to rethink their real estate footprint. And I imagine that law firms are no different. You know, Certainly no decisions have made, and, and I'm not aware of anything that's planned right now. I mean, I will say, for me, in some ways, the remote-only nature of this practice has been very challenging. I miss the ability to walk down the hall and chat informally with colleagues. And I do think it's more difficult and requires more effort and discipline to manage teams and ensure people are getting the guidance they need in a remote-only environment. Without a lot of effort and concerted action, I think it's easy for someone to feel lost or disconnected. If there's one silver lining in this experience for me, it's it's that the opportunity to work on a task force that is so global has given me a chance to collaborate with colleagues of mine and clients who I don't normally work with in my day-to-day practice and to get to know better some truly excellent people and lawyers across the firm who I hadn't worked with before. And, you know, I will say to your question about whether in the long term remote only is feasible. I would say just as a consideration that I think it's worth emphasizing there is a big difference between going remote only for a limited period of time, even if it's been several months, and at a time when everyone in the world is remote as well, and a scenario in which remote work would become the norm on a more permanent basis. Part of what at MoFo, I think, enabled us to make such a smooth and seamless transition to remote work is that so many of us already knew and worked together and had built up relationships uh, that had the benefit of years of being together in person and of traveling together as teams. As, as Nicole mentioned, we have tried very hard, thanks to her and her colleagues, to run a virtual summer program this year. And I think it's been very successful and I'm proud of what the firm was able to accomplish. But I do think it can be harder to get to know colleagues that you haven't had the benefit of having met in person. And uh, for any company that's going to think of having a more remote-only program, they'll have to put a lot of thought and effort into making sure that new team members get the kind of interactions with others that builds the collaborative culture that is so crucial to MUFO and to so many other companies. You know, bottom line to your answer is, I think, in general... Yes, across all different companies, I'm sure they're using this experience to get smarter and more thoughtful about uh, what operations they can do remotely and where it makes sense to have people in the office. But I certainly haven't taken away from this personally that there isn't a lot of benefit to being able to be in person once it's safe to do that. And I certainly myself look forward to getting back into the office when the time is right. As do we all, I think. 
And Nicole, more specifically, how do you think that the pandemic will change the nature of recruiting going forward? Do you think that large events like on-campus interviews where you're interacting with potentially hundreds of people a day, is that going to be a thing of the past? Well, you know, I think for the near future, it will not happen. I don't think that long-term schools and firms would be in favor of doing a a remote interviews or on-campus events. But certainly we're looking at the next six months as being one that will be a, a virtual recruiting environment. So, you know, my team is looking at different virtual recruiting events and opportunities for engagement. We're partnering very closely with our, you know, colleagues who work at law schools and their career centers to come up with some solutions that will create meaningful recruiting and interview opportunities and sort of solve for some of the travel restrictions and limitations happening right now. But, you know, I think to David's point, so much of what we do is really about collaboration and working together. And while I think we as a firm and I think as a society have done everything we can to create that environment virtually or do the best we can virtually, there's still so much that needs to happen at a law firm. And there's still so much that makes MOFO so great, which involves the people-to-people in-person collaboration. And so I think from a recruiting perspective, you know, we would definitely look forward to being back on campus, meeting students on campus, interviewing students on campus, speaking on panels, being involved in a variety of different student organizations. You know, we'll do our best. And I think it'll be, again, kind of a new and exciting thing to try and an in-person summer program again next year. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this section of the podcast. Thank you so much, David and Nicole, for joining us. And at this point, we will now move on to some questions for our summer associates. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it, Adam. And thank you to all our summer associates for a great and very successful summer under very challenging conditions. I'm here with my fellow summer associates, Kaysen Fuji, Oliver Green, and Erica Penna. So we're now going to have a section where we have some questions for the summer associates about how this remote summer program has been going. Our first question is, have there been any unexpected challenges in events or in general working from home? And I can answer this one first. I feel like the most unexpected challenge that I experienced, this may sound like an easy answer, but was internet problems. So I'm quarantining in a very rural area. I was having Wi-Fi problems earlier in the summer And because it's a rural area, it was difficult for Comcast to get out to fix the router issue. And that's something that I hadn't really anticipated that when you're Zooming with sometimes 120 or 130 people, that can really stretch the bandwidth. So Erica, what were your unexpected challenges that you found working from home this summer? So I initially thought that technology was going to be a problem because with remote learning, my Zoom calls would freeze sometimes, but it actually worked out pretty well this summer. And I would say that the only unexpected challenge I faced was Zoom exhaustion as I was transitioning to remote work. But it was just a matter of adjusting to a new work environment. And I think it worked out pretty well in the end. How about you, Kaysen? For me, I had some experience doing remote classes last semester. So I was used to some of the Zoom issues that came up. But 
This summer, I discovered that my computer isn't powerful enough to do Zoom backgrounds. They provided us some really nice mofo backgrounds for the summer, and I really wanted to use them, but unfortunately, my computer couldn't do it. And Oliver, what are your thoughts on this issue? For me, it was really a matter of bandwidth issues because there are three people working in the house. And not only is it an issue, all making sure we can get on our Zooms and connect to our various work portals, but I did notice the phenomenon that I was warned about very early on in the summer where MoFo Connect just slows down a little bit once everyone from the West Coast gets on. So those first three hours of my day were really important in making sure that I could overcome at least half the battle with the bandwidth issues. But that was probably the biggest issue I faced. Next, let's talk about actually the good aspects of working from home. Erica, what's the best aspect of working from home this summer that you found? For me, the best aspect of working from home has definitely been not having to commute and being able to get up and ready to go in 15 minutes ahead of time, as opposed to an hour beforehand. And it's always nice just being in the comfort of your own home. Kaysen, how about you? What did you find was the best aspect of working remotely this summer? I have to agree with Erica on this one. I used to work here as a software engineer in the Bay Area, and my commute used to be about 45 minutes each way. And so not having to spend so much time in the car was really nice. And Oliver, how about you? My favorite aspect of working from home, which I didn't even consider, was the opportunity to actually work outside a little bit. And that's something I've never really been able to do outside of maybe college work. But having the the flexibility on a nice day to work outside, it was a good way to kind of step out of the routine that I had fallen into at the beginning of the quarantine and really get some fresh air and also help me focus more. I have to agree that working outside is definitely a benefit. I've also found that it's much more efficient if you're working at home. If there's a presentation that you're listening to at the same time, you can make breakfast, you can get lunch ready. There's a lot of sort of food prep involved that you can do concurrently if you're listening to somebody else speak, but maybe not participating directly in a particular event. Next, let's talk about some of the events this summer and maybe which events it was a little more challenging to participate in remotely. Kaysen, what did you think was a challenging event that maybe didn't work as well in a remote context as opposed to an in-person context? So there were many events for us this summer from writing and oral communication workshops to sessions about particular MOFO cases. We also had social events with our office, like trivia, mixology, and cooking classes. As for what was challenging about these events, I thought most of them worked well, actually. Some of them used breakout rooms, which worked for the workshops. For example, with the oral communication workshop, we were split into groups of four, and it took off some of the pressure to just present to a smaller group. Some of the social events didn't work quite as well with Zoom. For example, for paint night, I couldn't hear any of the people that were in the class with me because people are are shy when they're on Zoom. So that was one challenge. And Oliver, how about you? For me, it was definitely mixology. It was a very entertaining one. However, a professional bartender is extremely difficult to keep up with. And I felt like he was rattling off everything. And I sloppily threw mine together about five minutes after the fact. But all the events have been great to connect with my coworkers after work hours, especially given the challenges of the virtual dynamics nowadays. 
Personally, I share Kaysen's opinion. I think that a lot of the summer associate events that were remote worked really well. And Erica, what are your thoughts on this issue? I'll definitely echo what everyone has said. I thought that all the events were thoughtfully planned and I especially enjoyed the paint night because I'm not an artist and I've never been to a painting event, but I'm pretty satisfied with my painting. I think that one of the challenges for participating remotely is just that when there's large groups of people, it's difficult not to talk past one another and talk over each other. So that was definitely a little bit challenging. Next, I was interested to learn what everyone's favorite event this summer was. Oliver, which event did you most prefer from the Summer Associate Program? I actually love terrarium therapy. It was a wonderfully planned event in which all the plants, all the soil was sent to us. And it was the first event that I felt like I was really connecting with other Summer Associates because we planned a little happy hour beforehand. And We had a lot of just kind of good moments laughing with each other. And I felt like it was also just very therapeutic as well. And so I really enjoyed that event and getting that chance to bond with everyone. Personally, I thought the mixology event was really fun. At least in the group that I was in, people were getting into it and really participating. And I think that everybody actually learned a little bit too. Making cocktails can sometimes be difficult if you don't know professionally how to do it. So it was great to have somebody explain sort of what different kind of liqueurs go well with each other. Erica, which was your favorite event this summer? I really enjoyed all the virtual happy hours with the attorneys. It was nice getting to know them in smaller group settings and all of the local events. I thought that was a great opportunity to kind of meet some of the people that I'll be working with in the future. That was glad that they made time to be able to interact with us, even though it was virtually. And Kaysen, how about you? What was your number one event in the program this summer? I think I actually have to pick two. I like the MoFo Stories events that Nicole mentioned, especially the one about Doe versus Wolf. MoFo sued the government over the poor conditions in a detention center in Arizona, and they eventually won. And I thought it was really fun to hear more about the challenges they faced during that case, including dealing with the government destroying some video evidence. I also like the oral communication workshop, where we learn to effectively communicate our work to a partner or a senior associate. That workshop was actually designed based off of feedback from MoFo attorneys, so I thought it was a really practical workshop for us. We also got to see a partner and associate act it out, which was really fun and a good way to illustrate it. All right, thank you. And our last question in this series is for me. So some of you may not know, but I'm the one summer associate in this group who was at MoFo last summer as well as this summer and who has a little perspective on how the summer associate program works in person versus in this remote environment in which we now find ourselves. So the question is, what are the main differences between last summer and this summer? Certainly, besides the obvious, you know, everybody is working remotely over Zoom and there is a lot less in-person personal interactions that you would have with people just in the hallway, going to work in an office building that I had last summer. There was more substantive work that was given last summer, as one might expect. The summer was longer and people were in the office more of the time. But I would say that a decided advantage of this summer, which I hadn't expected until this point really, was that there's a much greater focus on training that we didn't have last summer. So for example, 
there was a training session at the beginning of the summer for litigation associates that essentially taught us how to write a legal memo. And I know that for associates working in corporate, they had a, a contract redrafting or redlining session that was very helpful. And I thought this was a really good introductory assignment to sort of get everyone's feet wet, make sure that everyone was on the same page in terms of legal research and writing skills. So I thought that was extremely beneficial. And that's the type of event which in a summer program that's in person, where there's so much stuff going on, that type of event there may not be time for. So I felt like one of the advantages, the silver linings of a remote situation like this is the emphasis on skill-based training, which I thought was very useful. And with that, that brings us to the end of our time. So on behalf of Kaysen, Erica, Oliver, and myself, I sincerely hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we all encourage you to keep an eye out for more dynamic podcast programming from MoFo in the future. Thank you. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.